Challenge Voices, a weekly podcast where we explore the challenges, successes and lessons of leadership through the experiences of diverse women leaders across Africa and beyond. I am your host, Paula Frey, CEO of Frey Intermedia. This week I am in Uganda, where I had the opportunity to meet with a host of Ugandan feminists doing incredible work in the country. My first guest chatting to me in Kampala is Jacqueline Simwe Moisiga, who is CEO of SIFSource Africa, where she oversees the independent advisory firm, which is committed to nurturing a more sustainable and effective civil society through accountable philanthropic practice. Jackie is a Ugandan and US-trained lawyer with a record of accomplishments in leadership, law and policy formulation. She is an active human rights, governance and democracy advocate. So Jacqueline, you're actually a lawyer by profession. Yes, I How am. did you get into philanthropy? The story of my life is that I was, I am born and raised in an Anglican priest's home. I'm the firstborn of my parents and I know that we... I mean, a, a, an Anglican priest in an African country doesn't really make much money. So we literally received gifts from parishioners, from those that just supported our family. Mm. There are days we would have gone hungry if it wasn't for someone bringing a meal. There were times I would have missed school if it wasn't for someone either paying my school fees or the headmistress allowing my parents to pay my school fees later. And... I also grew up in a home where I watched my mother give. We didn't have a lot, but she gave of even the little we had. And so I grew up knowing giving is part of who we are. It is a way of life. It is a way of doing life. Mm. So that's how I have walked into this journey as a lawyer to then start thinking about, so what are those ways that we give as communities in Africa to sustain families, to sustain communities, to sustain nations? that are not always talked about. And so that is, for me, an area that I want to highlight, shine a spotlight on about how, I mean, like every day, literally in in Africa, in Uganda, there are giving stories that happen that are not highlighted. Mm. I mean, it's quite interesting, isn't it, the way in Africa, the process of giving is is, is such a familial thing, isn't Mm -hmm. it? I mean, we're always giving towards our family. It doesn't feel like philanthropy. So maybe it it kind of leads on to the next question, and really, so what is philanthropy in Africa? How do we give? So I, I came across an interesting reading that talks about cultures of giving mm. and not necessarily philanthropy the, and, and the reason that resonated with me is as Civ Source, my organization we earlier this year literally picked up a camera and a microphone and went on the streets of Kampala mm. asking people what is philanthropy and are Ugandans philanthropists and so many people just even stumbled over the word what mm. <laughs> so yeah. we found that one is not even a word I think that resonates but when you talk yeah. about giving Oh yeah, then 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 they can and you know enter the conversation, and um, so we started a, a program, a flagship program called Omutima Omugabi, and through that mm-hmm. we're trying to express the way Ugandans think about the ways they give without mm-hmm. or which equals to philanthropy without yeah. calling it that big word that big term, and and so when you talk about what are our cultures of giving? Mm. What are the ways in which we give? What do we give to and how and why? That resonates with people. I found also when you when we talked about philanthropy, people thought, no, no, that's Western. We don't do mm. philanthropy. 
And it's like, yes, but don't you give? Haven't you received? <laughs> so it's, I think, even the terminology, and I know this also from being a feminist uh, women's rights activist, that often language mm-hmm. is very powerful and people either see themselves or be othered depending on the language that we're using. And so I literally believe in even democratizing the word philanthropy because as if we call it giving and everyone can see themselves as a giver and as a receiver because it's not only one end, mm-hmm. I think philanthropy has a connotation that I don't need you, but mm-hmm. you need me. Mm-hmm. And that can be patronizing, that can um, elicit, you know, a power over. So I determine your agenda, I determine what you do, I determine when I take back that which I've given. But when I call myself a giver and a receiver, then I can see how it's reciprocal, how one time... And we're also trying to take it away from just money Mm. to express the ways we give of time, of knowledge and wisdom. One of... We've been interviewing older people in Uganda to tell us what are the ways we used to give and it was literally things like I had you know it is rainy season and it's time for planting so the community will come and help one person Mm. plant their garden the next day move to another and in that way we're helping support food security and we're doing it together we're having fun together we're talking about our issues as a community as we're helping each other dig our plots of land so how to also surface and probably monetize that, mm. but to give it a value to say that too is giving. It's always interesting how people perceive philanthropy as being something given by a wealthy billionaire mm-hmm. in North America. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet when you look at remittances into Africa, yeah. they're actually outstripped foreign direct investment, right? So they people do, yes. sending back money mm-hmm. to their families plays a major role in sustaining livelihoods yeah. on the continent. Yeah. Why is it important to, to make sure that that kind of giving doesn't become invisible? Because, again, coming from my background as a feminist activist, I know that when you invisibilize something, you don't give it value, you don't give it prominence, you disappear it in ways that are harmful to the person or peoples you're disappearing. And I've been in global spaces where the the example I give is a meeting that I attended in Philadelphia, I think it was in April, and it was a big you know, international education meeting. One of the workshops that I attended was on philanthropy in education. And the examples given were from Brazil, were from North America, were no story about Africa. Mm. And that's what happens when you disappear certain kinds of giving, that their stories are not told on a world stage, on a world platform. And so when that story is not in those spaces where thinking is going on, where decisions are being made, then it disadvantages the peoples whose stories are not told. Yeah. I was working with a really poor community in, in a rural area in South Africa, and one of the things that was happening was that members of the community were going to the local school and just painting and just fixing and just you know making contributions in very small ways. And you're right, very often that isn't seen as a form of giving. Yeah. Um, and, and it's quite important to actually kind of highlight those stories. I mean, in Uganda, the very many of the schools that exist now were literally given the land on which they are by the community mm. or by you know some of the elites in the, the literally the land yeah. on which even before the buildings came even before students were taken to those schools that story isn't told and then a person will come in and give funding for books and think they're and they will tell that story and have the land named <laughs> after them right <laughs> yes and forget that yeah. no it was the land it was families bringing bricks and giving of their labor to build a classroom 
uh, it was um, families helping to cook the food mm. for the you know for lunch for their students you know all that is part of philanthropy process of giving so what do we usually give to in Africa so the assumption mm -hmm. <laughs> is that uh, we give you know mostly to weddings to fun to funerals to and, and the way it is said is even as though that is one therefore that is not really giving and yet if we look if we understood the African community and how it is so tied with death, with life, with marriage, with procreation, mm -hmm. and th that this is the way one generation passes on to another. Mm -hmm. And then we would understand why for Africans we will probably give to a wedding and not necessarily to something else. Mm. If we understood why it's important or why family is important, why a decent burial is important, why, mm. um, if we understood the why, I think that we wouldn't denigrate the issues to which most African gives, Africans give. At the same time, you know, we're generalizing, right? Mm. I think the other thing I, always, I often think about is when you're giving in contexts like ours, where civic space is shrinking, even if there were Africans giving to democracy causes, when you're giving to those causes in a space, in civic space that's constricted, you're not going to go around telling who you are and throwing your money around because mm -hmm. you literally know that can put you in danger. And so the assumption then becomes Africans don't give to civic rights and, and democracy, rather they give to, to social things only. And, and again, if you do not understand the context, then you're going to make certain assumptions. And that's why, again, I believe we need to tell the story because we can define the context in which our giving happens. Mm. So if we could maybe shift a little bit and, and kind of talk, so, okay, so corporates in Africa, what kind of giving are they doing? Well, they, I mean, they do all kinds of things. Um, to health. Just last Sunday in Uganda, we had a Rotary run. Mm -hmm. um, and I think for the last five years or so, the Rotary clubs in Uganda that are mostly made up of corporates have been doing an annual marathon to give towards cancer treatment in Uganda. That's a very big thing. Many corporates give to support education, to support livelihood projects of youth, of women. They do cleanup of cities and towns. Water is a big thing that corporates give to. Some of them give towards scholarships, training of young people. I mean, it's a myriad. They give to all mm. kinds of, of, of issues. Yeah. In, in our fifth episode of, of Change Voices, we spoke to Bongiwe Malangeni, who is the CEO of the Social Justice Initiative in South Africa. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about the long-term relationship building that is often needed if you're fundraising yes. for change. And one of the things that kind of came out in that discussion was really that sometimes it's easier for people to give to education, mm -hmm. right? It's a more attractive process to give to education. It's sometimes even easier for corporates to be able to give to welfare-related mm -hmm. um, um, projects. Mm -hmm. But then when you're trying to fundraise for systemic change yes. or for institutional strengthening yes, yes, yes. and institutional change, it becomes a lot harder. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you see, Jacqueline, any particular gaps yeah. in the giving that we do have. So one of the, again, just going back to my example of the cancer run, there was a, uh, a media person who said, okay, all you guys who gather and run for cancer, how about when you gathered, you also demanded government 
answer questions about why when we pay tax, we are not addressing the key diseases that Ugandans are challenged with. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. But again, if we understand context, right, that businesses in Africa literally depend sometimes for their survival on their relationship with government. And that unfortunately, the way our governments are run, sometimes that leverage can be pulled if you're perceived to be supporting either causes that are seen as confrontational, causes that are seen as advocating against um, the way government is done, the way resources are. So, so they feel constrained in asking certain questions very openly because they know when I go, when I will need my license renewed by the very same government. Now, is that a good thing? Is that a right thing? Not necessarily. So one of the things that my organization would like to do through the process of research is also to say, therefore, what support do philanthropists in Uganda, in Africa, need in order to up their advocacy around systemic issues, mm. around systems, structures, government done badly? Because I guess if... They, and I have a feeling that sometimes if you assume you're alone, mm -hmm. then you're afraid. But if you know that you're together and you're not doing this alone, I think there's power in the collective voice and knowing that even if they take out one, the others will come around and, 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 and fight our battle together. So we're hoping that when we do that and we can show that, no, it's several of you. And if we took that one step further to ask, not just to pay school fees for children, but to ask, but what is the quality of education? Because that's a legitimate question. What is the quality of our schools? What is the quality of our teachers? And when, you know, if we enable philanthropists to come as collectives, I think they'd be able to push back on certain things. Mm. You, you talk about creating more equality in philanthropy. What do you mm. mean by that? For me, it's two things. One, it is to, like I said, even to democratize the term so that it's not just high-end, high-net-worth individuals, as mm. we call them, but to view philanthropy as a continuum mm. and that there are people who will give a dollar, there are people who will give 10 million, and, but all of you are givers, right? Mm. And not to spotlight one over the other as though one is less than. So that is one. But also, for me, it is about whose stories are told. I think more often than not, again, when we read a high net worth individual, there'll be maybe two, three, five women. And yet women are literally part of how we sustain our communities in Africa. And I think they're giving story because they're, 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 they give up their time, their knowledge. Uh, that When that isn't told, then you, you, you can't, you must democratize philanthropy in order to tell those stories that are at the periphery of the narrative. Does technology make it easier for people to give now? I think it does. I, I think... I mean, there are many causes that I, that I know that, at least as Ugandans, and I think Africa in general, have, have been given to, um, whether it's causes for um, treatment of, of, of people, you know, giving towards people that need treatment, both in, within our borders or across continents, uh, whether it is for supporting education. You know, the, it really has. It has opened up. Um, and I think people are also able to give across communities, mm -hmm. right? by the click of, uh, of, of, of the technology. Yeah. And so I think it is becoming 
and I think it's one one to watch in terms yeah. of how is it growing, what kinds of support are you even able to mm. mobilize through technology. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lovely story on your SurfSource website um, of the student oh, um, from yes. the rural community yes, who rocked yes, up, yes. I think, at Makarere yes, University yes. and was mocked on social mm-hmm, media mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. he arrived with a small backpack mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a steel suitcase. Um, and um, and people just kind of reached out and opened their hearts to him yes, and yes, you know yes. help pay school fees, know, yeah. help giving money mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. he was in fact a really well performing student with a bursary from a very poor rural community. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so technology also has a, the, mm-hmm. the potential to expose stories that we would never ever have yes, seen. Yes, so Jacqueline, if I'm of a leader in an organisation making decisions mm-hmm. around giving philanthropy. What tips would you give me in, in, in what to consider and how to give? I think first and foremost, what is, what is your area of passion? What are those things that resonate with who you are as a leader or with who you are as an organization? And go out and look for those causes that you can connect with and connect to and give. And the other thing that I've found really powerful is to give as the whole organization right because sometimes i think maybe giving happens in the executive office and it's the leader at the top that decides this year beautifully what we've done at um civ source is we've 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 participated in two giving events as a whole team so about a month ago there was an organization called concern for the girl child they were holding an open event at andira which is a coffee shop that is passionate about addressing um, and promoting the girl child and so what they do on a monthly basis is to give an opportunity to a non-profit to use their space they serve you know they are the servers that day but they also are able to talk about the issue for which they are raising money and so we thought this is wonderful this is a corporate giving to a non-profit offering their space and so as an organization we decided to go there every Thursday we read a book together and so we decided, let's go have coffee there. We're giving to a cause, we're reading a book. It, it works. And then last Sunday, we also decided, in support of one of us, whose father is unfortunately battling cancer, we thought, what better way to support our colleague through supporting a, a larger cause around cancer treatment in Uganda. And so as a team, we participated in the marathon. So it's really what resonates with your passion areas and with who you want to be in the world as an organization and as a leader. I do appreciate the fact that you really are looking at giving beyond a check. Mm-hmm. The idea that to, to give is, is it's sufficient just to take out and sign a check, but you're actually saying, you know, participate in the yes. process of giving, mm-hmm. be an active giver. Yep. And yeah, so meet I'm, the people. I mean, yeah, it was beautiful to meet Jacqueline and her team and understand why it was that they were passionate about girls to understand their story. Oh, the other mm-hmm. thing we've done is, um, you know, this has led us down even collecting stories of community giving. We've convened um, a meeting of community foundations. We've, uh, it's, it's check, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm, I'm giving of my time. I want to connect with you. What are the common mistakes people do around philanthropy? Uh, assuming it's a one-off. Yeah. Uh, and I do understand there are moments that, you know, there's a need that's meted and go away. Mm-hmm. But I think philanthropy that's sustainable makes connections. Philanthropy that's sustainable is, is there for the long haul because human needs, human wants, human development doesn't happen at the click of a mm-hmm. button. 
at the signing of a check. It's more, it's really understanding the context so that one is a thoughtful and purposeful giver. Great. And on that really um, thoughtful advice, we'll end the session then. Thank Thank you so much. Thank you too, Paula. And I hope that we'll be able to hear some stories from our listeners on how they've given Mm -hmm. and and the kind of advice that they would have. So thank you very much. Thank you too, Paula. Jackie's vision of philanthropy beyond money is a call to action for every leader to engage their teams in the process of giving. Her tips are clear. Start giving in your immediate community, whether it is at the workplace or local endeavours. Next, she suggests that we look around at the things we are passionate about and review how we can give in that context. As noted earlier, her view of giving goes beyond money. It is about providing our skills, time and even our support. Finally, she says, giving should not be a once-off process. If you enjoyed this discussion, then please share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. Let us know via social media how you have given and don't forget to use the hashtag Change Voices. You can find more information about the work we do and about the Change Voices podcast on our website, freyintermedia.com or on our social media platforms at Frey Intermedia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn where we share regular posts and updates and share Change Voices lessons. If you have any specific women you'd like to hear from or if you want to support this program, then do contact me directly at pfrey at freyintermedia.com or direct message me on social media. Remember to subscribe so that you don't miss out on our next conversation and rate us on whatever platform you happen to listen on. Thank you for your time and for joining us for today's discussion. Until next time, let's leave.